Hello, business storytellers. It's your host, Christoph Trapp. And today we want to talk about home Wi-Fi. A lot of people are struggling with that currently because everybody's at home. In my case, my two daughters are at home. My wife is at home. Everybody's watching Netflix, Frozen 2, etc., etc. Uh, it's really hard to get a word in or a bandwidth in, I guess, uh, the better way to say that. So I'm joined by two experts uh, on the topic. One is um, the techie guy. You can find him everywhere um, on Twitter, YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. Liran, Sergey, hey, Liran, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you for having me. And then also, according to Fred, podcast host, Fred Faulkner. Fred, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks, Christoph. Great to be here. That is a trend. We have a lot of repeat guests. That's because I'm picking fantastic experts to come on the show. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> patting myself on the back. Okay. So Wi-Fi. I mean, are you guys having issues at all with Wi-Fi at home or am I the only person? <laughs> um, I, I think a lot of people are going to start struggling now that as we all stuck at home, as we say, and we seem to be using a lot more bandwidth. So it seems like everybody's having these issues and funny enough, the service providers are having some issues as well because they have to cater for so much more all coming in at once. So if you're feeling the Wi-Fi strain, you're certainly not alone. Not alone. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely feeling the strain here as you. I got a couple of kids at home. My wife is a teacher, so she's trying to support her students and their e-learning. So it's not like I can even ask them to get off. Wi-Fi and stop playing things because some of them actually have to still do stuff. Um, and as, as Sergey mentioned, yeah, everyone's everyone's crushing all the major conferencing platforms. Um, and it, I think everyone's feeling the pain a little bit for sure. And, you know, a lot of people are posting those pictures uh, of Zoom. And uh, we don't want to favor any platforms, but Zoom is probably one of the better ones. Um, I like it too for video conferencing. But I see these um, pictures everybody is posting with um, 30 people on a Zoom call on video. And I'm just like, how is everybody not frozen? <laughs> so, you know, so uh, let's dive in here. Um, here has been my strategy so far. So we're recording this, this show. I literally go to everybody else in the family and I say, I'm recording something. I need all the bandwidth for the next 25 minutes, please, off the phones. No TikToks, no whatever take a break, go read a book. Um, and yeah. for the most part, they do that. But as you might imagine, there's some debate happening, depend, especially when that happens multiple times a day. Um, and Fred, what, what have you, what has worked for you? Um, or what are you working on to, to make things work? Yeah, so uh, I do the same. So if it's something that's super important, I happen to record a podcast, I have a video podcast yesterday, and I told my family, I'm like, hey, guys, whatever you do, like, read a book, get off. Like, so I think you have to dig through some just logistics of physically getting off, off Wi-Fi, um, off devices, off something that has to happen. Um, but I've actually been utilizing to, from, from, you know, some success is, um, I have the Google Wi-Fi, um, set up. So I have the, I have the TP link, uh, on hub, um, and they've, you know, come out with a number of products since then, but in the Google Wi-Fi app, there is a way to prioritize devices for durations of time. So um, I've been doing this twice a day because the duration limit goes up to four hours, but I will literally prioritize my work laptop as the primary device amongst the other, you know, dozen that are on the network and say, this is the one that should get the, pri the, uh, the priority. And that has freed up um, some of my bandwidth for sure uh, to allow me to do my work without too much trouble. Um, 
and has definitely improved a little bit. So it's a nice feature that Google offers. Um, it does give me some priority. It doesn't give you like a reminder, like you're off the priority. So you have to remind yourself after, you know, you have three options, one hour, two hour, or four hours. So after four hours, I have to remind myself to go back in and, and set that priority again. Um, but it is giving me a, giving me a little more confidence that I'm not going to have a, a challenge when I, it comes to what I need to be doing for work. Fantastic tip. And the one thing that's actually kind of funny about that comment, and I'm in the same boat, but you have four people and you said there's a dozen devices <laughs> on the Wi-Fi, um, right? <laughs> Well, that includes like, you know, all the IOT stuff, right? So I got a couple of Nest, you know, right. uh, thermometers. I mean, it's, you know, for the most part, though, I mean, the, the devices that are sucking up any of the bandwidth is me, um, the Xbox, and then my, my wife's laptop, and the, probably our, our normal TV because we don't have um, cables so everyone's using streaming services. So those are probably the main things. But yes, I have a plenty of devices connected to the network that I need to prioritize against. So, well, so, I, and I must tell you, just based on that, um, according to a study by Deloitte's last year in December 2019, they said that the average household does have 11 connected devices in the US. So okay. uh, a lot of people make the mistake of thinking, oh, but it's just kind of a couple of cell phones and a tablet, very quickly forgetting about smart plugs, the camera system, the IoT devices, as you mentioned. And all of those do suck up bandwidth. Now, some a little bit and some a lot. And you just got to remember that it's not just your phones. Not just switching off your phones is going to make the big difference. It's going to be about finding those devices that are really, really sucking up the bandwidth. Things like cloud backup. You forget about Google Drive. Things that synchronized over the internet. Those yeah. are a big bandwidth sucker. And those are the first thing I switch off whenever I do my live streaming. Absolutely. And it's nice that, you, you know, some of the, the devices are like, again, with the Google app, I can see what is active at any given point in time. So nice. then I can pinpoint some of that stuff to you. Not everyone probably has an easy access. You have to log into some, you know, ISP router, you know, interface to see what's actually going on from a real time perspective. I will give Google a lot of a lot of props and the fact that they make it really simple to manage the Wi-Fi network when you have their their solutions on there better than most other ones that I've seen out, uh, that are available. So that, that is a really good tip. Also, turn off all the stuff you don't need, like the backup. You don't really need that every yeah. day, right? I didn't even think about that. And so, of course, Fred, when you mentioned that tip, um, I immediately went to research into research mode. Can I do that in my house? And we're on CenturyLink, right? We're, I don't, we're not rural Iowa, we're, but we're also not in the middle of a big city. Um, so very limited who I can use. And basically, I went to my modem, and you can tell me if I can do anything differently. But I went to my modem, and you can log into your modem. So I did, and I checked, can I actually prioritize devices? Of course, the family is watching Netflix while I'm doing that. And they said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm looking to prioritize devices. And they said, well, which one? Yours? <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And, and, <laughs> and they all said, I'm like, well, what device do you think I should prioritize? And they said, the TV, please. Um, which is interesting, but anyway, so I couldn't do it. I tweeted at, at CenturyLink and they said, um, it's not currently possible. So can I put Google home on top of that router or how does that work? Yeah, so that's what I do. So I have, we have Comcast here in the Chicagoland area where I'm at. And so Comcast is, you know, the router and I only use it. My router is both Wi-Fi capable and, um, the cable modem is one single device. I actually turn the Wi-Fi part off not great hardware. Most people will tell you that in any ways, they always recommend you use something else. So I actually have Google's Wi-Fi pucks or I use the on hub, but they have the whole puck system. You can see that's out there. 
um, that can replace the Wi-Fi functionality of your home router. So I use it only for the router for the cable modem part. And then I have my Google OnHub connected hardline into that router. And that's what provides my Wi-Fi. And that's how I can prioritize against it. So it is something you could do. Um, anyone can do it if you want to make a small investment. Um, in my investment, you know, yes, you're still maybe renting your, your cable modem. And you're like saying, why do I have to buy a separate Wi-Fi device when my cable modem you know, device probably does it as well. That is true. It's probably not the best one out there. Um, you may probably find, I found tremendous performance improvements when I did not use the, um, the, the native cable modem that did both cable modem and Wi-Fi. So for about 125 to 150 bucks, depending on what you want to buy and where you want to live or where you live, you know, you can find you know, a small, you know, I say small, but you know, for some people it might not be, but a, a small investment there that you own, um, can give you a lot of a lot of um, boost in your Wi-Fi capabilities, not only from a bandwidth perspective, but also then having this option to prioritize device. I set then all my kids' timers, so I can prioritize all the kids' devices and say, "Hey, here's this kids' you know section. All of their devices turn on the internet at 9:30 in the morning, and it turns off at 7:30 at night." So I use that also for kid management. I can pause their devices anytime if they're giving me a hard time. I'm sure. If we all run into that as families, you know, oh, someone doesn't want to take the internet away. Well, how do you do that? It's literally a one-click button away that my wife and I both have the app and we can click and turn off the internet on their devices as well. So it, it offers a couple different um, couple of different features that I find beneficial. So, so you can't Yep. And I always, when I try to take the kids' devices, it's always like one more minute. The show is almost <laughs> over every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Leron, what so, so let's say, so this is a good uh, tool and you certainly can actually, you can buy that, um, the Google Nest or whatever Wi-Fi router on Amazon. Um, so super quick to get, but let's say people don't want to invest anything else currently. What other tips um, can we offer to maximize their current Wi-Fi situation? Well, I, I can, if we go back to basics, remember that Wi-Fi is actually divided into 2.4 gigahertz and five gigahertz. Now, People always make the mistake thinking they have to go with five gigahertz because it's sounds five sounds more than 2.4. So it sounds, <laughs> it sounds faster, but remember they're different. So 2.4 gigahertz gives you a connectivity, but over a larger distance and five gigahertz gives you higher bandwidth, but over a shorter distance. Why that's important? Because if you have lots of these smart devices, things that, are perhaps don't require such a high bandwidth and maybe are further away from your router, set them to 2.4 gigahertz. There's no reason for them to hug the high bandwidth 5 gigahertz frequency. So as soon as you do that, you're going to start dividing the workload, the data load, the traffic that's on the network between two completely separate Wi-Fi's. Now, 5 gigahertz, nice and quick. If you're close to the router and you're getting a good signal, that's the one you should be using on devices that really do require that bandwidth. So don't just leave it as automatic. Really, really select your smart devices to choose which frequency they should be using. So very easy to do. Anybody can do it now with your existing equipment. Oh, and but, but how do you do that? I mean, so, do you just log into, and I'm actually logging into my thing, my modem right here as we're talking. Do you just log in and change yeah. it? Or how so do you, do you actually do it on the device itself. So not on the router itself. So the router would typically broadcast both signals. If you haven't kind of played around too much with your configuration, you should be able to see a 2.4 and a 5 gigahertz option. They, they, any, anything bought after, I don't know, 2017, I would say, will definitely have these. 
Now, on your devices itself, like be it your smartphone or be it the smart camera, you have an option to connect to the Wi-Fi. And what typically people do is they choose the 5 gigahertz one. Well, don't. Go back to that configuration per device and then choose the 2.4 specifically and don't connect to the 5 gigahertz. Just remember that it's all about range. If your smart camera is right, you know, is on the other side of the house, you're probably going to find better connectivity using 2.4 gigahertz anyway, just because it allows for further distance. Interesting. Now I just have to figure out where where I change that. But that's, I'll, <laughs> so, I'll make that. Yeah. So each so each device have. you're going to have to log in specifically back into your configuration, and that's the other thing is most of us when we set up these smart kind of smart IoT bits and t of tech around the house we set it up once we followed the wizard we go next 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 finish and we never give it another thought now certain things are really set up smartly where they do do the automatic updates they do install the latest firmware and the latest upgrades but a lot of those are simply not and especially with the likes of retailers like amazon people choose tend to choose kind of the cheaper of the options and if you remember, if you're doing that, you're opening yourself up to vulnerabilities on your network. But then you do need to remember to manually log in every once in a while and make sure there's no update because all of those things will make a big difference to your speed and then, of course, your security. So depending on your device, find how you log into it, go, go run through that wizard again and simply change it to the 2.4 and upgrade any firmware. Just upgrading the firmware on various hardware pieces, including your router, can actually boost your speed dramatically. So here's a question that I also have, and I've seen this, and I actually probably haven't done it myself, but I also have a guest network mm -hmm. that I've seen a lot of articles that say, put your IoT on the guest network and not on your main network in case those compromises happen, that they're not accessing the real things like your work computer, your, mm -hmm. your other kind of more sensitive. So when we look at those and you're putting, you're also then bifurcating devices on which network. So there's the bandwidth you just talked about, but actually the guest network, which is separate than your regular network. Is that actually then freeing up your regular network as well from that type of bandwidth? Or is it really at some point, once it gets to the cable modem, there's only so much pipe Correct. going out and that's, that's, so it doesn't really matter at some point, the bottleneck's going to happen yes. before it hits the, hits the, you know, the real wires per se for the data transfer. Well, it, so you, you spot on at the end of the day, it only, it, doesn't matter what you do internally on your network. You're going. The bottleneck is going to be the part where it goes from your cable modem down the little kind of cable out to your ISV. That's all. Everything you can optimize everything up until that point, but from that point, it's down to your ISP and how much bandwidth you're paying for. So, I don't personally like moving IoT devices onto the guest network because the guest network is for my guest, right? I want them to come and be able to log right. in. Typically, the security is a little bit weaker, and that does separate your, my network, my computers, my data away from that network. So I don't like having those IoT devices on that because I like to have those available for my guests when I do want to enable them. However, your point is absolutely valid. If you want to have your smart garage opener not be able to link to the rest of your network, it probably is wise to separate, to separate it onto that guest network. Um, I will say that with a lot of these devices, they are pretty good in terms of just connecting to the internet. And 
if you do kind of have a router that does allow you to segment your network, kind of create little virtual networks, that's ideal. You give one IP address range to all your smart devices, and then another IP range for your other devices on your network. That may be a little bit complicated for some people to do, but a couple of Google articles later, there's literally step-by-step instructions to do that if you want to go that, that direction. Will it help with your bandwidth internally? Not so much because your guest network still uses either the 2.4 or the 5 gigahertz anyway. So it's not a bandwidth saving tip. So actually, and maybe Christoph, you're going to go with this. So the brass tax still does come down to how much bandwidth are you paying for on a monthly basis? And I tweeted this out yesterday, or maybe I put it on my Facebook account. Like I didn't realize with this whole transition to work from home due to COVID-19 and the coronavirus and this kind of, you know, mm-hmm. this quarantine, that all of a sudden I had to become the infrastructure expert <laughs> for my house, yes. the IT infrastructure expert. And there's definitely been across, more than once as it crossed my mind in the last, you know, 48, 72 hours that I've been, you know, more working from home full time with the kids home and everything that do I need to transition the, the savings I'm having from commuting to the office every day and transition that into upgrading my internet access for however long I'm going to be home to make sure I have that reliability that I really need to have. Is that something all of you thought about as well, or is it more or less how do we optimize we have first until we get to that point? Um, look, <laughs> on my, on my point, I, want to get what I'm paying for. So that's where I normally start. And a lot of us, unfortunately, make the mistake, this is pre this whole madness that's going on in the world. We kind of think, oh, our internet is slow. Let me buy more bandwidth. Oh, my internet's slow. Let me buy more bandwidth. Well, the problem with this that I have is if I'm paying for 100 megabits per second or 500 megabits per second or 5 megabits per second, the ISP should give me what I pay for. We don't go to the grocery store and pay for seven packets of groceries and we're happy to walk home with just one. We want what we pay for. Sure. So <laughs> the first place I normally start is run a speed test. Go to speedtest.net, double check that, yeah. you, and by the way, you've got to do this multiple times, not once. Do it, yeah. multiple, <laughs> do it once. Do it multiple <laughs> times and get an average, an average of the upload and an average of the download. And, and I want to separate the two because for those who don't know, it does actually make a difference. Typically, when your ISP sells you a package, they talk about, oh, we're going to give you 100 megabits per second. That is typically the download. Nobody talks about the upload. So, download. Oh, the upload is horrible. <laughs> the upload is terrible, and it makes a huge difference if you're streaming or you're doing video conferencing. That's when the upload really kicks in. And what a lot of people are discovering yeah. the hard way is that – hold on, my downloads is great. I can stream Netflix, no problem, because that's a download command. But every time I want to use my video conferencing, it's choppy, things are breaking up, I'm not getting the full value. And then immediately they say, oh, my ISP, I need to upgrade. Well, typically your ISP does cap your downloads. My ISP caps it at 10 megabits per second. It's terrible, but that's what it is. So again, before we go throw money at at, at the ISP to answer your question, Run those speed tests, get an average. Are you getting close? Because you're not going to get 100 exactly. You're not going to have the exact speed. But are you at least getting close? And if you're getting close to what your ISP has promised you, then yes, the next option would be to upgrade. However, if you're getting a fraction of what your ISP typically um, has sold you, well, now it's time to either troubleshoot your network, see what, why that's not working, 
or get on the phone with the ISP and say, hey, I'm paying for X, you're delivering Y, come and fix it. And then you will find, especially in older houses, that the cable could be old. They simply replace a cable and your speed goes right back up again. Good tip. So, uh, of course, the entire time you were talking, it took me to get that page to load, but I didn't get it to load, <laughs> speedtest.net. Um, so, uploads, it's like 7.6, 7.29. Um, that has, to, I don't know, I don't even know well, what I'm what's the, what's the download? for. Seven, it's 7 point something. Is, 7 is that the upload or the download? That's the download. And upload, I thought, was about the same, but it's now thinking again. Now it says 0.73. Okay. That's, that's terrible. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> we will both like... You can um, how do we break the <laughs> So no matter what my plan is, I certainly have bought more than 0.73, right? Uh, well, even, yeah. even your yes. download sounds... Um, I'm not sure what package you're on, yeah. but it, it's seven, at 7 megabytes, 7 megabits per second for all your devices... Four of you at home streaming Netflix. No wonder you're ready to move out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm still staying with this family for now. Um, but, but good test. So, um, so first of all, I should call. Uh, first of all, I should look up what my actual package yes. is, and then contact my service provider. The other thing, just to wrap it up here quickly, um, I'm pretty sure there's no way for me to upgrade. Right. Like we're already on the highest plan. So that's actually not an option. Right. There's no other plan. And also just FYI, there's no other provider, I don't think, that we can switch to. Um, so what are some other quick tips that you guys have seen work well, um, if you can't do any other? Things? How about mobile? Um, do you have an unlimited data plan on your mobile phone? Because no, but but sometimes it's not used. So what you can do is create your use your mobile phone as a hotspot. Set it to 2.4 or 5 gigahertz, depending if you're using one of those dodgy iOS devices, which doesn't allow you to change, or an Android device, which certainly does allow you to change. Um, nothing against Apple, obviously. Um, but you can set your hotspot on your phone, and you'll typically find that at 4G speeds, you're going to get way more than 7 megabits per yeah. second. So. That's one. And I think the other option is to what was mentioned earlier about the cables, like how when was the last time you've actually looked, when did you get your hardware? Mm -hmm. Cause I know like I'm in a specific scenario where even Comcast has said your, your modem cable modem is due for an upgrade. We have a, we have a newer device we want to send you. And I will tell you that, that the, your physical device that you have, that's actually your cable modem could be limiting your actual ability to maximize your, your what you're, what you're paying for. So um, you could look at that as well. Is there a replacement that you can get? Um, is there an upgrade that doesn't cost you anymore? Um, have you, did you own your own? How long ago did you have it? Because technology has gotten better. Like anything else, it does degrade over time. That's another option for you to look at as well. It sounds like a lot of work. And recently, uh, maybe two years ago, we did replace the modem and it was seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure the cables have been in the house since the house was built 20 years ago. Um, I was joined by the techie guy and according to Fred, check them out on Twitter, LinkedIn, et cetera. They have great tips on there. And um, if you can get any work done, once you get your Wi-Fi to work, if you still have time left, um, hopefully, the, hopefully this was helpful. Good luck, everyone. Stay healthy and safe. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win. Thank you.